0: Welcome back to Rock Your Retirement. Today, I have a special treat for you. Miriam Goodman, who wrote the book, Too Much Togetherness, Surviving Retirement as a Couple, has agreed to come on the show and talk about a very important subject, and that is how your relationship can survive your retirement. So if you are married or in a relationship, you can't afford to miss today's episode of Rock Your Retirement. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Today's guest is Miriam Goodman. She's a columnist on Examiner.com and a former radio and television producer. Her interviews with hundreds of retirees and younger boomers have provided her with the insight on how the next generation will change retirement. Her books on retirement deal with the issues that no one's talking about, and it deals with how retirement affects us emotionally. Her research into how relationships are altered by retirement are in her book on how the boomer generation can deal with these changes. Marriages, friendship, and self-esteem are all affected by retirement. I've asked her to come on the show today because I've seen marriages break apart after retirement, and I'd like her to share her insights on how to prevent that. As you know, retirement's not just about money. It's about all the other things that your financial advisor never told you about, and Miriam can help us stay together after we retire. Miriam, among all the other things that you've done, you wrote a book titled Too Much Togetherness, Surviving Retirement as a Couple. What prompted you to write that book?
1: Well, it's all the things that you just said, Kathy. We are not really prepared for being together with our spouse 24 hours a day. We each have had parallel lives. We've worked, we've taken care of children, we've taken care of aging parents, we've been in the community, all those things, and all of a sudden we're thrown together 24 hours a day and we don't know how to behave. And the biggest secret that I discovered is that neither the wife nor the husband will ever say to the other, I really don't want to be with you 24 hours a day. You know, that's a horrible (laughs) thing to say. So we have to sort of tiptoe around these issues, uh, make it seem like it's the other person's choice as much as ours, and see how we can keep this marriage together, keep the, the couple together, and keep our lives on an even plane so that we can go forward into retirement happy. So
0: you wrote the book. And you wrote this book because I, I'm looking at the back cover, and it says that you've done dozens of interviews, situations. So, I mean, did you retire? Did did you think of this on your own, or
1: I didn't retire, but but I saw what was happening with uh, people. I knew that the. Husbands were retiring and the wives weren't ready yet. You know, often um, in today's society, women take time out from their careers to stay home with their children. So when they go back and they're getting into their 60s, they're just getting to the point where they have the power and the prestige and the money and and the feeling that they're important at work. And just around that time is when the husbands may be completely burned out, they've been at it steadily for 40 or more years, and they're ready to stop. So it first occurred to me what's happening when the men are retiring and the women are still working. And I started asking people, and I said, oh, God, my husband calls me 20 times a day. It's as if he doesn't even know where we keep the ice. And they (laughs) were going crazy. And actually, I asked my own parents. My father retired, and my mother being of that generation, I mean, my parents would be 100 years old today. My mother thought she had to retire as well. And my mother was a newspaper editor, and they're – Their social life and their community and everything was kind of tied up in the fact that my mother was out there as a newspaper editor all the time. And once she stopped working and my father stopped working, they were kind of thrown – there wasn't a problem with the marriage, but it was like, what do we do now? And they kind of lost the context they had in the community because, as you know, when you're on the top of your day, everybody's calling you because they want favors. When you're no longer doing it, the phone doesn't ring. You know, it's, it's pretty crazy. I know this happened to me. I used to work for a television station. And once I stopped working in TV, nobody called me anymore. When I was in TV, it was all, oh, my nephew's looking for a job. My cousin's looking for a job. Can you get me on the show? Can you do this? And it's really crazy. So when you stop working... When either of you or both of you stop working, it's a sort of a, an upset of the apple cart of, of your social life as well as everything else. So I noticed this with my parents. I noticed this with the people that I was talking to all the time about what happened if the husband retired first. And I thought, you know, there's a, there's a book here and there's something that nobody's talking about because boomers are doing this their own way. That's the whole issue. We've done everything our own way from our marriages, from raising children, from our careers, everything we we had to create it. And all of a sudden, here's retirement, and we don't want to do it the way our parents did.
0: I can completely understand. My husband is retired, and I'm not. Okay. So I'm one of those. I'm still working. I still enjoy working. And my husband is, we call him semi-retired, but there's a big age gap between the two of us. The difference is that we share a workspace and even though he's quote-unquote retired he still works because he sits on the board of a couple of different companies so we'll be in the same room together 24 hours a day but we're not talking necessarily you know we, we might email each other because we're both on the computer isn't that funny
1: <laughs> well, I, you know that, that's not so unusual I, I, but what the problem is is if you each respect the other's work. You know, I've had so many women tell me, for some reason I talked to several women who were therapists and who used their home as their office, and they would say the husband would not really respect the fact that they were in the other room with the client, um, not that they would come barging in, but as soon as one patient left and the next one came, he'd come and, oh, you want to have some coffee? Or, oh, look what I read in the paper today or whatever it was. That He didn't respect that, that space. And I'm not saying that all men do this. I'm sure women are, are, are just as guilty. But the whole problem is you're sitting in the same room. You're working. He may have just seen a joke on the computer that he wants to share with you. And you're in the middle of doing something. It's a real sticky situation. I mean, maybe one of you better go in the bedroom with a computer. I don't know. I know. I I completely
0: understand because I'll find my husband will tell me, oh, I said such and such to you, but I'm so focused on my work. I might tune out what he said. And so he tells me that he that he's told me something and I have no recollection at all that he's said whatever it is.
1: (laughs) When I first began this book. When I first began thinking about it, I was having my hair cut. And my hairdresser said, You know, what are you doing? What are you working on? And I said, Well, I'm thinking of writing a book about couples in retirement. And he said, Oh my God, the woman that was just sitting in this chair five minutes ago is retired, and her husband's retired. And she said to me, I really love my husband, but when I'm driving down the street and I see his car in the driveway, Sometimes I want to just keep going. Mm. And, you know, to this hairdresser who was young, he, he didn't get it. But he he did get it because otherwise he wouldn't have told it to me. But he didn't quite the concept and you and I understand what this is and hopefully your your listeners do too it's it's not that there's anything wrong with your relationship is that you need your own space and you need your own time and the biggest problem is that there's too many assumptions you know he assumes that she wants to do this she assumes that he wants to do that and they never really sit down and talk about it so how do you
0: does your book tell people how to get out of that or uh, what's your advice yeah, how well, do you
1: get out? Yeah, no, you do. I I do uh, have a lot of advice in there. I know when I was pitching the book, the beginning, publishers kept saying, "Well, give us a list of things like that." And I said, <laughs> it, it, "It isn't a list that you sit down. There's ten things. It's first of all, you have to say what was your communication style during the, the earlier part of your marriage. How did you make your interests and, and your desires known? Do that. Then you each know you each know each other's uh, soft points." vulnerabilities, things like that, and what works. For example, the women who were still working and coming home and finding their husbands asleep on the couch at 5 o'clock in the afternoon were the ones who were going crazy. The, the usual idea is, oh, tell him to volunteer, tell him to take a class, tell him to join some group at the library, whatever it is. And each woman said, well, you know, in my case, I can't tell him what to do. He would say no. But if I talk to another guy, friend of his, you know, maybe a husband of a friend of mine, and he wants to do it, maybe he'll call up my husband and say, oh, let's take this class together. Or another person might say he would never do it if if anybody suggested it. But if I get the catalog from the local college and just leave it on the coffee table or in the bathroom, maybe he'll pick it up and think it's his idea. So you have to really say what works And your relationship. And if you've been married long enough to retire, you should know what works and what doesn't work. That's the first thing. Did you find
0: a lot of your friends were able to get their husbands out and doing things?
1: I found that if someone else suggested it, for example, one woman I interviewed was still working. Her husband had kind of retired in a fit. He had really quit, but he called it retirement. They had an apartment downstairs, and their, their divorced daughter and her son lived in the apartment downstairs. So this woman would come home from work, and she'd see her husband laying around. And and one day, her daughter said to her, Do you know Dad watches Jerry Springer and things like oh. that every afternoon <laughs> on TV? I mean, this guy was oh, an no. educated engineer, you know. She says, I just don't know what to do. And so, you know, the woman said, I've known your father for 40 years. He's got to come to this realization himself. Nothing I say is going to make a difference. Well, lo and behold, the 10-year-old grandson comes up to his grandfather the next day and says, Grandpa, will you teach me to play tennis? So, Mm -hmm. okay, you can't turn down your grandchild, right? So he gets up. He starts practicing tennis himself to get himself ready, and he starts teaching his grandson tennis. And the grandson says, well, I have a friend who wants to learn too. And he starts doing it. Next thing she knows, her husband tells her, I've just joined the church. She says, what? You know, we've been four years. You've never gone to church once in your life. He says, "I know, but this particular church has an actors' group, and they put on plays. So oh my next gosh. thing she knows, he's he's the star of every play, and now she's retired as well, and she's in the plays too. But you know, it takes one little kick." to get some people going, and you never know what it's going to be.
0: Well, when I hear complaints, it's usually the woman complaining about the man. You know, when it's usually the woman saying, he's underfoot, I'm not used to this, I want to get him out of the house, and... I like the fact that it was the grandchild. Have have any of your readers ever used that trick? They maybe put a bug in the grandchild's ear. Hey, go ask your grandfather to teach you how to play football or whatever. <laughs>
1: uh, yes, I, I haven't heard it, you know, maybe after they've read my book. They have. I haven't actually heard that being used. But um, one guy, this was just so crazy. Um, this, his wife was still working and she told me, The biggest pleasure I've ever had going to work is sitting alone on the bus. I don't hear the kids. I don't hear my husband. I get to read. It's a nice, relaxing time that's really special to me. Well, her husband retired, and he insisted on driving her to work and picking her up every day. And those two hours that she used to have to herself, you know, she said, was absolutely gone. She said, Things were so crazy. She'd wake up in the morning and he would have uh, gotten out of bed before she did. She'd go into the kitchen and not only was the orange juice and the coffee waiting for her, but her vitamins were laid out in front of it. And she said once she went in the bathroom and the toothpaste was always already on her toothbrush. So to <laughs> me, I mean, this was the craziest thing I ever heard, but I'm interviewing people so I don't judge, you know? I said, mm-hmm, <laughs> And then the worst thing happened. He didn't like being home when the cleaning lady came. So he insisted that they fire the cleaning lady. And I did say, well, does that mean he's cleaning the toilet and washing the floors? She said, no, no, I have to do it. But he just was so uncomfortable what? having her there when he was there. As if he didn't have it in his own brain that he could go take a walk or go meet a friend for coffee or whatever it was. Or maybe he could do so- the cleaning. Maybe so, yes. So everyone has a story, Kathy. It's really true that um, there's no one solution for everyone, but, you know, there's a lot of things that that can work, and and the first is communication, and and I guess the second is respect any other person's busyness, whatever it was. You know, there's a guy who said said to me, you know, I may be busy, she may be busy, but my busy is always more important. You know, and and even if it's such a thing as, like, you're out and he's out and you call your husband and say, could you pick up the milk? And he'll say, well, you know, I'm playing tennis with the guys. What are you doing? She says, well, I'm having coffee with my friend and I'm just not going to have time. He said, well, you know, my tennis is more important than your coffee. Or, you know, that's just an example. Whatever it is, people have to respect it. Whatever you're choosing to do in your retirement is important to you. And the other person cannot denigrate it. Right.
0: How do you bring up that conversation? I'm a younger, you know, I'm 50. So I don't technically qualify as a baby boomer. And I don't technically qualify as a Gen Xer. I'm, I was born in 1965, which puts me in nowhere land. I'm a baby boomer if you want (laughs) thank you I'm a I'm a uh, an unofficial baby boomer but but I relate more to baby boomers I think that I do Gen Xers but how do you say that I mean people of my generation would probably say hey I need some space but the older baby boomers you know the ones that are in their 60s I don't see them saying that as how do you broach that how do you bring First it up? Of all,
1: you have to, you know, you said that women are doing better than, than men, and, and it's true. The women are complaining, but the women have been multitasking all their life. You know, we've taken care of the kids, we've taken care of the family, we've taken care of the social life, we've been working, we've been in the community, volunteering, whatever it is. The men have been at work, you know, that's it. So when they give up their work, they give up basically everything that they had in their lives. So the women have to go out of their way to reassure their husbands that they still respect them, that they still love them, that everything about them is just as important as it was before when he was bringing in a paycheck every time. So that's the first thing. And she also has to give them time. You can't just wake up on Monday morning retired and think that everything's going to be fine. You have to get used to it. You know, I always say that what your job gave you, and I think you mentioned this a little bit in your introduction, your job gives you structure, it gives you a company, you know, people that you work with, a community, and it gives you purpose. So when you stop working, often people have lost all those things, especially for men. M- many of their friends were at work. That was their community. That's why we hear about people all the time that go back after they retire and want to have lunch once a month or something with the old guys because they've lost that community. And the structure of getting up and having a place to go every day is really important. And the same thing with the purpose. No matter what you're doing, you, you it has a purpose. What, however menial you may think your job is, it has a purpose, and that's why you're doing it. So... The next thing would be to try to replace those things in your life, whether the structure means, okay, I'm going to volunteer three days a week or I'm going to meet my friend for a walk two afternoons a week, whatever it is, I always encourage people, take one of those great big planning calendars and write down what they're going to do for the week. And both both the husband and the wife need to do this. And then you can look and see if you have things that are conflicting. And you can say, okay, well, I'm not going to be home at all on Thursday. Maybe we should plan to go out to dinner when we both get home. Or so-and-so, you're going to be here on Monday. Maybe you can let the repairman who's going to fix the washer, come in, whatever it is. You know, you work out your your calendar and you find out that, yes, you, you both have things to do, and here's some time when you can be together. And you see an empty day or an empty afternoon or an empty evening, and it's like date night. You can say, okay, we're going to be together. But the thing is, you have to work on it together, again, in the way that works best for all of you.
0: Don't you think it really falls on the wife to bring that conversation up? Because, I mean, the men men tend to be fixers, right? Life. They tend to be fixers. We're, we're listeners. We tend to talk out, you know, to our girlfriends. We'll talk and talk, and the man will say, well, what can I do to fix your problem? Do you think that if the wife said, look, I... I love you, but I really need, I need you to find an activity. I need you to find something so that I can feel like I have my own space. I mean, do you suggest
1: that? I do. I, I, I say avoid boredom. that That's the way. I avoid boredom and avoid isolation because those are the things that that lead to depression. Again, you mentioned at the beginning it leads to depression. You said sometimes it affects the marriage. It also leads to alcoholism, I hate to tell you. I mean, I remember one woman telling me she'd get up and leave in the morning and she'd see her husband sitting at the uh, table having a coffee And she'd come home in the afternoon and he'd be on his second or third martini. Then he'd want to have a little wine with dinner. And then maybe after dinner, he'd have another drink. And she was, you know, she couldn't do this. She had to get up in the morning and go to work. And it was really driving her crazy. And she didn't know how to talk to him. She really did not know how to talk to him. And she thought maybe just getting a divorce was going to be a better thing because she had never had that the intimate relationship that she thought that she should have had to talk to him. But finally, she did it bit by bit. So, for example, she said, you're home all day. I'm at work. I'm really at... She was really at work because she needed the health insurance. She wasn't 65 yet.
0: Mm-hmm. right?
1: And um, she says, you know, we've got to work this out. She says, you've got to help. You've got to make dinner. So every day he would call her at 4 o'clock and say, what do you want for dinner? And then he would go out and buy it. And then little by little, he would start trying to cook, you know, even though he said he didn't know how to cook. So more and more, she got him involved, got him doing things. And, you know, one of the things I did discover, and this was kind of shocking to me, that my generation of boomers, everyone I knew, the husbands were so involved with the child care and so involved with everything with the kids, whether it was picking them up at school, taking them to school, going to parent conferences, cooking, cleaning, all these things. And I discovered that once they retired, they became their fathers. They mm. sat there as if they didn't have to do this anymore. <laughs> this was not that even if their wives were still working. It was the most shocking thing i had ever seen. <laughs> you know, they said, well, I'm retired now. I don't have to do it. And, you know, women have to broach that subject in any way that works for them. But it, it's what happens is, is when they get bored and depressed and drink and don't know what to do, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. You know, I write a column in addition to my books. I write a column on examiner.com, and once I suggested to people, maybe the first thing you should do when you retire is take that trip you've always talked about. And a woman wrote wrote to me at the end of my column. She said, it's a terrible idea. All of a sudden you're telling us to spend 24 hours a day together. We (laughs) can't do that. We have to ease into it. We're going to take our trip in a year. So you never know what works for people. You know, I
0: never thought about it that way. I never thought about taking a trip as being 24-7. But I I guess you're right. I guess cruises, you could get away from each other. You know, one could go do something while the other went to the, the pool. But that does make a lot of sense. I never really thought about it that way.
1: Yeah, I, I had to teach my husband that shopping was part of the travel experience <laughs> <laughs> what is your column called it's called I'm say I'm called the retirement living examiner San Francisco retirement living examiner if you if you go on examiner.com and put in my name uh, that's the easiest way to do it because the URL changes with each title of my column so I can't okay. give one name you know it's just I mean there's 200 columns on there if anybody wants to look at the archive but I can't give you the URL to go to each time because it changes by the by the title of each individual column it's a crazy setup.
0: <laughs> okay well we'll have a link to the, the examiner and we'll have a link to your books on the Thanks. show notes so yeah so that's that's really good now you had mentioned that one of your interviewees her husband started going to church. How how can couples keep each other healthy, you know, help keep each other healthy, both spiritually and physically? Do you have any advice for that?
1: All I can say is nothing is forever. You know, try something. If it doesn't work, try something else. I mean, I know that there's a, a couple that lives up the hill from me. He's still working. She's at home. And every night about six o'clock, I see them go out for a walk. And maybe she's helping his health, mental health, helping him um, wind down from the end of the day, you know, from working all day, something like that. Set a time when you're together, when you don't have any distractions. They happen to have a dog with them, but I hope that's not too much of a distraction. But, you know, make this a time that they're together so you're helping each other. I think you're helping each other emotionally and physically by taking a walk together, if you can do that. The other people um, make dinner that That time of day when they either uh, work on it together and then sit down and have it together. So everything you can do together that helps you spiritually and physically is important. But if it doesn't work, you have to try something else.
0: But don't spend 24 hours together.
1: Some people want to. Some people say this is what we worked all these years for. Some people okay. want to do that. Um, i don 't know any of those, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's true, uh, you know and i've seen it. I remember years ago going and taking a dance class, a ballroom dance class, and what was surprising to me is, is that the uh, couples who came in together insisted on dancing together they wouldn't they didn't want to try it out with a stranger, and I thought, you know isn't this part of the idea of taking a class? is that you dance with other people, you meet other people, you see what their style is like, and you adjust. I mean, that's to see if you're learning, if you're always just with your partner, you know, you think you know what you're doing. It's just like if you take a language class from one teacher and then you go out and try to use that foreign language someplace, well, how come he doesn't understand me? You know, my teacher did. You know (laughs) what I mean? So you have to keep doing these things out there in public. I think that's the most important thing. You can be together 24 hours a day, but even if you're on a trip, you're on the cruise. You sit down and you talk to the other person at the table. You learn new things. You, you, know, Maybe you go off and play bridge one afternoon and he goes to watch the film. Whatever it is, you're still together, but you're giving yourself some space.
0: Great advice. Absolutely great advice. And I know what you're talking about, about the dance class, because my husband and I have tried to take dancing a couple of times, and it's usually where I live in San Diego, whenever we've gone to a class, it's usually about 30 women and three men. And and my husband says, I don't I don't want to dance with all those other women. I just want to dance with you. And so because of that, we don't take dance classes anymore. Because of the you know, if it was thirty women and twenty men, I think he would be better with it. But just the see for all you men that are listening, if you're looking for an experience that will let you meet women, take a dance class. (laughs) You you will meet a lot of women. (laughs) Good one, right. That's a good one. Yeah. Absolutely. Miriam, do you have any advice for couples regarding sex?
1: I do have a little advice um, for women that men who are retired sometimes have a, a self-image problem. And their sexual activity sometimes reflects that, that they don't think of themselves as so macho, as so important anymore. And I learned this in interviewing with someone who's Husband had been very active in politics. And during the 2008 or whatever which election it was, he was being interviewed all the time on television and he was uh, considered an expert on certain things and being written about. Uh, He was feeling very good about himself, feeling very strong, and this was reflected in their relationship. And she said once the election was over and he wasn't the big cheese anymore and no one was calling him. She felt that that letdown in his own self-image was reflected in their sexual relationship. So again, you know, I hate to put the burden on the women, but you've got to, you know, make him think he's just as important now as he was when he was on TV or whatever it was that he was doing when he was president of the company, when he was principal of the high school, whatever it was. It's about the self-image and the self-image is really reflected in your sexual relationship.
0: That's great advice. Thank you. And it, I think a lot of this really does fall on our shoulders. Men are strong physically, but women are probably stronger emotionally than men are. You know, men are, they're the fixers. And if we tell them that we need something fixed, they generally will comply if we can give them specific instructions. Not to say, tell them what to do. But like you said, build them up, you know, give them something to do. You know, your interviewee who helped her husband learn how to cook, you know, by first right. having him go shopping, you know, do it in baby steps. That sounds like that's your advice is to do everything in baby steps and not just throw in the towel.
1: I just had that thought of something when you said don't tell them what to do. Um, I had a friend who was still working, and her husband had retired. He was quite a bit older as well. And he had been a doctor in research, so he spent most of his time in the lab and, and you know, wasn't out there as treating patients. But he had what was considered an important job. And he came home, and he became terribly depressed. But he didn't admit it. And she would say to him, you know, you really ought to see somebody. You seem to be depressed. He says, no, 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 that's not true. And I thought myself, I went to visit her once, and um, she's a photographer, and she sits at the computer rearranging the pictures and, and whatever, and he sat in the room looking basically staring at her back while she was doing all this. He wasn't reading. He wasn't watching television. He wasn't doing anything. He was just sitting there watching her rearrange the photographs. And I was shocked because, you know, I had known him as this important person as well. So she finally got him to agree that he would go see a therapist and she insisted on going with him I said what do you mean how can you do that she said I'm sure when he got there he'd tell the therapist oh there's nothing wrong and my wife's just just driving me crazy she wants me to go but really I'm fine and she said I want to be there the first session and tell the therapist look this is how he's behaving he's sleeping all the time he's falling asleep here he, he won't get up and do anything. He doesn't have any initiative. I asked him to pack for a weekend trip. I come home. He's always done is open the suitcase. You know, she gave all these examples and then left. And then the guy had a very successful <laughs> treatment <laughs> and everything's fine, you know. But she said, I can't trust him to tell the truth. You know, people mm-hmm. lie to It's just like they lied to anybody else. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs>
0: So go to the first session.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, even if it's your, even if it's a medical doctor, you know, a physical doctor, and the guy's been complaining about sluggishness or whatever, or she sees that he's sleeping more, whatever it is, he's not gonna. These macho guys are not gonna admit it, and they're certainly not gonna tell the doctor. I just wanted to say one other thing about couples and doing things together and not together twenty four hours a day. I think you need to schedule the calendar I talked about, but be sure you leave some blank time, even if it's not time that you're going to spend together. Just time for somebody to call you up and say, oh, let's go bunny jumping. You know, you can't say, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm busy, I'm playing bridge that afternoon. Leave some time to do whatever it is you want to do, either together or separately.
0: Or to do nothing.
1: Or to do nothing, absolutely. Right,
0: absolutely, that's great advice. Absolutely great advice. But you have talked to a lot of people who were either... They've seen their husbands retired or they've retired. You've done a lot of interviews with people. So what, what's one piece of advice that you would give to somebody before they actually retire?
1: Have a plan. You have to have a plan. You cannot retire on Friday and wake up on Monday saying, oh, gee, now I can clean out the garage. Cleaning out the garage is not a plan. <laughs> if you wanted that garage cleaned, you could have done it while you were still working. Have a plan of what you're going to do, whether it's reading to kids in the school in your neighborhood, or working at the food bank, or taking a trip, or spending more time with your grandchildren, or getting out that easel, or the typewriter, excuse me, the computer to write a novel, <laughs> whatever it is, know what you're going to do. Give yourself a plan. You know, people say, oh, no, it doesn't matter. I, I, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to take long walks, and I'm going to do this. Well, that's fine. But... You have to be ready for 12 months a year weather. You can't take long walks in the middle of the winter if you live in the east or the north. You can't play golf 12 months a year even if you live in California because sometimes it rains. You have to have a plan of what it is that you want to do. And as I said earlier, nothing is in concrete. It can change, but have some ideas of what you want to do, especially the first few months because otherwise it will lead to depression. That
0: is great advice, thank you so much. Second question that I have is what if you're already stuck? You know, what if you're already retired and you feel stuck? Do you have any advice for that person that you're sitting across the table with to get out of a rut? What would you? What kind of advice would you give to that person?
1: Depending on how deep the rut is, I might recommend therapy. Otherwise, I would think the best thing to do is to find a new activity they can do together. Okay, so they can't go dancing because he won't dance with other women, but maybe they should (laughs) learn to play tennis, or maybe they should learn to play golf, or maybe there's some kind of a low-impact aerobics class that they might both want to try, or maybe... Um, they both like to read, but they've never been in a book group together. Maybe there's something where they can uh, read a book together and, and discuss it themselves as well as with the group. Find an activity that will first get you out of the house. That's important, get out of the house. And the next thing is to give yourself kind of a new image. I've found that people who retire kind of let themselves go a little bit physically, especially men. They stopped getting haircut quite as frequently as they did. Maybe they stopped changing their clothes as often as they should. They kind of think, I don't need to do that anymore. I think that's a bad idea. You do need to do it. You need to you give yourself a different feeling if you're in fresh, clean clothes and you've just had your hair cut or you've just put on makeup or whatever it is that, that makes you feel good. I think that's really important that people think of themselves as still a vibrant part of the community and not just some old guy who nobody's paying attention to.
0: Great advice. Thank you so much. Now, I'm going to have a link to all of your books in the show notes, but if someone wants to contact you, how can they do that?
1: The easiest way is through an email that I call retirement27 at AOL.com, or you can go to my website, which is toomuchtogetherness.com.
0: Okay, so retirement27 at AOL.com or toomuchtogetherness.com. Correct. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks Miriam for coming on the show. You know, your work is so valuable. You could you could be saving a marriage today. So I thank you. So.
1: Okay. Thanks we a lot. really appreciate
0: Yeah. And for my listeners, we release interviews with retirees who are rocking their retirement or authors like Miriam who can help you rock your retirement. We release interviews with vendors who can help you with the sandwich generation issues, such as spouse who's aging or a parent who's aging or even grandchildren issues. If you'd like to get notified when we have some free stuff for you, you can go to rockyourretirement.com and sign up for our newsletter. So we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Are you buried in information regarding Medicare health insurance? Have you gotten a four-inch stack of mail regarding Medicare? Do you wish that you could find an experienced agent who works with multiple companies to assist you or your loved one? You're in luck. Medicare Quick starts each prospective client with a 20-minute informational webinar that describes the difference between Medicare Advantage Plans and Medicare Supplement Insurance Plans. Then, after you understand what type of plan matches your lifestyle, we help you decide which company suits your individual needs. Call 866 445 6683 for more information or go to the website medicarequick.com. Mention the word ROCK and we'll send you a cool stylus pen just for calling. Medicare Quick is not connected with the federal Medicare program. Medical insurance licensed in the states of California, Florida, Nevada, and Texas and Medicare Advantage and prescription drug plan service areas vary. California License Number 0797566